Welcome to the Roma Press Podcast with John Solano and Andy Mattioli. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Roma Press Podcast. We hope that you are doing well. We have an absolutely packed episode for you. But before we get into everything, thank you so much to our newest patrons over at Patreon. Adam Kors, Daniel Skogman, Bobby Gagofsky, Peter Ryan, Luke Alul, and Vasil Shumivoda. Thank you all so much for your support. It means so, so much. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. You allow us to continue to do all that we do with the website and the podcast. So thank you so much for your support. And of course, to our current patrons, it means everything. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. All right, so we have a couple of things on the docket for today. The first is a deep dive on Brian Reynolds with Alex Arant of the website thirddegree.net. And then Andy and myself, we discussed yesterday's victory against Verona. And then we break down a lot of the transfer market-related items, Jekyll's future, the return of El Shadawi. Reynolds, what they could bring to the club, and just give our overall thoughts on the club's January transfer market campaign. So, without any further ado, let's get this started. Here is Alex Arant of the website thirddegree.net. That is three R D D E G R E E dot net. This is a FC Dallas dedicated website, so Alex is very, very familiar with Brian Reynolds, his game, how he thinks he will fit in at Roma. So without any further ado, let me bring Alex on now, who you can find on Twitter at A-L-E-X-A-A-R-A-N-T. All right, so Alex is here with me now. We are ready to dive into Brian Reynolds. What should we expect? What type of player are Roma getting? Are they getting somebody who is ready to go right away? He's somebody that can be thrown onto the pitch day one. If you could just give us basic baseline background on Reynolds, what you think of him, what you've seen of him so far, anything you would like to share. Thank you so much for having me, John. Yeah, it was a deal that took a little bit uh, of convincing on uh, Tiago Pinto's part. Um, at first, there was just a basic offer, and Juve kind of had the upper hand there. And then with the whole loan move to, to Benevento, um, it kind of started crumbling, and Tiago Pinto added more money and a higher percentage of the sell-on clause for FC Dallas, and eventually that swayed uh, Brian Reynolds and FC Dallas in favor of choosing Roma. Um, as far as if he's ready on the field, I mean, it's hard to say any player is or isn't ready when they first transfer to a club. Mm. I mean, you'd hope that because they're a professional player that no matter what situation they'd be ready for. Um, I would say as far as playing like a Juventus or a Napoli, I mean, obviously Juventus is coming up soon. Um, I would not throw him in there. Um, I think especially defensively, that's his biggest weakness. And mm. um, that wouldn't quite be our be the best move for the club um, to put him in there. But for smaller teams like Crotone, um, Benevento, and all the smaller ones that Roma will typically you know, dominate and as they have for the past half year, um, he's definitely ready for them, especially offensively. Offensively is where he's most adept. Um, he's basically, the best way I could put it is he's the opposite of Aaron Wan-Bissaka for those who follow the <laughs> Premier League. Whereas Anwan Basaka was a winger who, um, for his professional career, transferred to right back and became the best like defensive right back. Um, Brian Reynolds was a winger who transferred to right back and became one of the better attacking right backs, especially in MLS. Um, he had three assists plus a penalty uh, in his first 
professional season. And on top of that, he just created havoc in the box. He won another, um, he won the game winning penalty and had two game winning assists. Um, so three total game winners out of four goal contributions. Um, he was always in the right spot attacking. Um, he had what sets him apart and what will be his best asset aroma is his interplay. The way he's able to like start a run pass to a midfielder, receive the ball, pass to a winger and just keep going upfield, um, creating space. And that's something that's especially in the three, four, three, um, that Fonseca uses. That's something that's going to be just perfect. The, the biggest question mark for me, especially when you have a player moving from one country to another, it's more so not even necessarily the on-the-pitch stuff. It's off-the-pitch. How do you adapt to a new environment? You're in a brand-new country. You don't even speak the language. It could be very, very overwhelming for somebody that age. Is that something that you think Roma supporters should be concerned about, or is this a guy who seems very professional, hard worker, We've seen so many instances on both sides, especially at Roma in, in that regard. We've seen guys who don't really apply themselves. They have trouble with the environment, with the country. They don't even speak the language. I mean, a guy he'll be battling for playing time with, Rick Karsdorp, has been in Rome for three years, cannot say two sentences in Italian. Is that something that you think will be a major concern? I hate to paint with the broad brush um but we've seen many times especially not many times overall just many times more recently of american players going abroad and settling in and really being able to like find a home and grind out for their time i mean christian Mm -hmm. Pulisic was 16 when he joined dortmund um weston mckinney wasn't much older when he joined shulk and they both uh settled down and got their head on straight and were able to you know grind it out in the system and work their way up um I expect, especially with um, Freakin being in charge and the Hunts, the Hunts who own um, FC Dallas and Dan Freakin, which is part of the reason this deal went through, they're kind of friends or something along the lines, um, right. business partners. Um, that's part of what helped this deal go through. And I'm sure that the Freakins will um, have people in place to make sure that he's able to adapt and to be able to become the American at Roma, um, to become the future, I guess, of the brand side of the club, not to mention on the field, he's going to be a fantastic product, especially offensively, which is what shows up on all the highlight reels. Um, and as far as settling down, I mean, I've from what I've seen, um, he seems to have his head on straight. You know, he knows what he's doing. He's a real fine professional. Um, and I'd go as far as to say I would assume he'd be able to uh, – settle down really well and um, find his feet in Rome. And I mean, it's going to, I mean, it takes time. I mean, he's still young, 19, 1920. Um, and obviously moving at that young of an age is difficult, but um, being hungry, being wanting to fight uh, for your position. And like Andy said um, on a podcast a few weeks ago, Bruno P- Perez uh, wanders down the wrong alley in Rome. Suddenly there's, there's a starting spot open. <laughs> so, um, and it's about how much he, he takes advantage of that. And I think he offers, especially as far as uh, getting playing time, he offers something uh, Ricardsdorp doesn't. Um, whereas Ricardsdorp has the pace that is pretty well unmatchable for most people uh, in Italy. Um, he has a different skill set of just being able to make that one slight miss and then send a ball, just a very fast ball across the box. And a lot of times, even if... Um, it doesn't find the feet of uh, an attacking player. It's still able to cause cause chaos, 
cause the defense to be worried um, whenever he has the ball in that area. So he should be able to settle settle in pretty well. From a tactical standpoint, it does seem like a lot of this fit has a lot to do with the fact that Paolo Fonseca plays three at the back. So he's not using your prototypical fullback. He's using a wingback, obviously. And much in the same way that I viewed Spinazzola, I always maintain that fullback and wingback are two entirely different roles. Let's say Fonseca were to leave because we know his contract ends at the end of the season. Who knows how the rest of the campaign plays out for Roma. But let's just say the Friedkins, they decide, you know what, we're going to bring in somebody else. Max Allegri, welcome. And he decides to go to four at the back. Is that a position that you think he would have problems adapting to? Absolutely not. Um, he's been fine at four in the back. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say he's like a great defender. I mean, obviously he's still young and still uh, learning the position, but it's something he'd be able to fit right back into. I mean, it, it isn't his greatest skill set, um, but especially if there's like a player covering like what, what FC Dallas did this year. They had a midfielder from uh, Brazil named Thiago Santos, um, who typically would slot in um, pretty close to the defensive line. Um, and that would help. That helps him out a lot, and I see a lot of that in VR as far as uh, dropping back um, into the defensive line, especially with helping in buildup. And I think he would be more or less fine in a four-backs, uh, just a four-at-the-back situation versus being a wingback. But wingback is where he's going to excel, um, especially if Ponce- Paulo Fonseca stays on for longer, which I personally hope he does. I enjoy what I see when we attack. Um, and it's just, I don't know, four two three one's so overdone. It, it is. It's you, you turn on pretty much any league in the world and there's a fifty percent chance one of the teams is using a four two three one. So it's not as if there is a rich tapestry of American players excelling in the city. Uh, is that at all a concern for you that with the slower, more tactical sort of game, you know, maybe this isn't something that suits all of his characteristics today? Maybe he can grow and adapt. That's certainly what we all hope for. But from your point of view, is there a league that in this very moment he is more suited to than the City? I mean, I think for most young players, um, it's going to be the Bundesliga because it's just there's so much more attacking and it's just it's just a different league um, compared to the rest. I don't know, it's hard to describe. Well, and but, they're willing to bet on young players. Yes, and I mean, they're at a much higher pace than the rest of the leagues, which I think oh, plays a huge role. Absolutely, there is much of a higher focus on young pl- players there, um, which is very important, especially if you're thinking of a transfer. Uh, but as far as settling into a more tactical league, um, I mean, there's yeah, there's a very small sample size of Americans. Uh, I mean, most recent one I could think of that made a difference was Michael Bradley at Roma and he was barely there. Um, (laughs) So, so yeah, there's not much of a rich history, but in the last few months, we've been able to see Weston McKinney uh, become just an incredible threat for Juventus Yes, um, in the box with headers in build-up play. And I think we could see something similar. Obviously Weston McKinney has more pedigree in uh, the top flights, but we could see something similar, especially in a year or two from Brian Reynolds, where he becomes the player on the pitch to watch. Um, when he has the ball at his feet, he's going to make a difference. And people will be tuning in to hope he makes a difference, especially sooner than later. Um, as the season wears on, the more he starts playing, the more things are going to be online. Like, oh, hey, there's this Brian Reynolds American at Roma. Turn on the TV and people are going to because ESPN Plus is 
pretty pretty inexpensive and has a lot to offer. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And that that's actually a perfect segue. So from from your perspective, when you have uh, these these American players moving to Europe, I'm sure that many of these clubs see that the game is growing in America. How much of a role do you think that plays in some of these deals that clubs are doing for young American players? Now, obviously, they, they value them to the extent that they're willing to pay very expensive fees for them. But I would assume, and correct me if I'm wrong, or maybe you disagree with this wholeheartedly, but I would assume at least to a certain extent that the marketing and branding possibilities for the U.S. market do play a bit of a factor, yeah? As far as um, I've seen on Twitter and other places on Reddit, um, the promotion of uh, foreign players abroad or American players abroad is pretty well received mm. um, for people that watch MLS because they're excited to see these talents that their clubs or clubs that their clubs have played developed, uh, especially with Alfonso Davies. Um, I mean, just the reception across CONCACAF and MLS was huge, just seeing how well he's become being the FIFA best men's 11 uh, this year. So it's not for the MLS fans. It's they're just happy to see someone from you know their own league be promoted. But there are the um, I hate to say it. There are some uh, Euro snobs in America uh, that are very cynical um, that see Pulisic to Chelsea for 60 million. It's like, oh, they're, they're just trying to have that marketing budget. You know, Pulisic's Nike and uh, Chelsea's Nike. They're just trying to, you know, up, up all that. Uh, up their bottom line is not as important for on the pitch. Um, but then from uh, the resumption from lockdown and on um, up until he got injured again, unfortunately, Christian Pulisic was the best player for Chelsea. He was making a difference every time he was on the field. Um, perfect crosses to Giroud, um, creating chances, scoring, even against Liverpool. Um, and I, I would say it's, it's an unfortunate situation for players to be, oh, you were representing your country abroad, especially especially in Italy where there's almost never been that representation for Americans. So where does Reynolds fall in this hierarchy or how is he viewed compared to some of the other highly rated American players that have moved abroad? Could you shed some light on that? Is he viewed in the same way somebody like a, a Pulisic who is obviously at a much different point at his career than Reynolds, but is he talked about or is he viewed or revered in the same manner in which Pulisic was at this point or Gio Reyna? I guess, where does he fall in that hierarchy? Absolutely. Um, I'd say about 10 or so years ago, maybe 11 years ago, um, MLS started to more focus on developing their academies. And we see the product of that now. I mean, they're reaping the rewards. Um, FC Dallas has a huge sell-on clause for Reggie Cannon, who has Bo who's at Boa Vista right now, being linked with Lille. He's, Brian Reynolds is just shot up the depth chart at right back for the U.S. Uh, men's national team, which is unfortunately their uh, deepest position somehow. I don't know exactly how that happened. And two of them coming from the same club, um, which is FC Dallas, which is uh, Reggie Cannon as well. But... And then there's Serginho Dest in front of them. But as far as him being able to play for the U.S. men's national team, it's only a matter of time. Um, mm. There will be times when not everyone can make it. Reggie, Reggie Cannon might be injured. They might have uh, Serginho Dest playing left back since he's two-footed. Um, and I, he, he will be a feature uh, for the U.S. men's national team going forward. I, don't, I can't speak for how much he starts. It depends on how much uh, Reggie Cannon does. 
at Boa Vista and wherever he transfers next. Uh, but if, you know, certain things happen, if Reggie Cannon can, can gets injured, Brian Reynolds stays healthy, you know, continues to do well at Roma, just keeps his head down and stays working hard. And they also play Serginho Dest at uh, left back, which is Greg Berhalter's decision, not mine. Uh, then there's a, a very real chance that uh, Brian Reynolds becomes part of the future of the U.S. US men's national team, mm. which would be huge, especially for Roma and for the player. I mean, gives him tremendous confidence. Uh, if you can, you know, go from playing international tournaments to go back to, uh, you know, playing in cup ties, um, that extra confidence is just massive. All right. So you're a Roma supporter. You write and cover FC Dallas. I have never watched a minute of MLS. The only, I guess, perceptions I have of the league, which are completely unfair, are the generalities that you read on social media. So I would say that for those who aren't American or do not watch the league, I think most would be led to believe that the drop-off in level is significantly less than that of most European leagues. So do you think that this will be too fast or too big of a step up for him? I'd be curious to hear your opinion on that, just because, again, you, you've watched Roma, you watch the City. Ah, it seems like you watch other leagues as well. But when you compare that to MLS and what you've seen from Reynolds, how, how do you think he'll handle this transition? And again, I realize my perception of the MLS is probably outdated and correct, whatever it may be. I, I would assume that the level is is rising MLS teams are starting to have more money and have better transfers, especially from South America. I know some unnamed MLS team just bid $14 million for reportedly the future of Argentina. Um, it got denied, but still, they have, they have these opportunities. And as far as what defines making a league great versus terrible, it's just a matter of perspective in the player. I mean, you can have, um, I mean, there's Nicolas Pepe at Lille who was, by all means, best player in the league that season. I mean, he had 20-something goals, a handful of uh, assists, too. Goes to Arsenal in the Prem, and he just barely exists. And then you have um, Pulisic, who, when he was at Dortmund in Germany, he was good. I mean, he was good. He would make a difference, and he was an impact player. But then, especially, I'm going to harp on it again, from that lockdown and on, which is still his... um, first season at Chelsea from that lockdown and on he became like just electricity on the field and I think part of that is just being older and um, being more comfortable obviously because he's still young I mean Pepe is still young too but it's a matter of the player's perspective on it too it's not I don't think Pulisic saw oh man I'm gonna have a really rough time going into this very difficult league I think he says I'm gonna be doing what um, I've always been doing, which is, you know, competing and trying my best in every single aspect. And assuming that's a, a similar attitude that Brian Reynolds and other MLS players coming um, across the sea to Europe have, I don't think there should be an issue as far as them translating their skills onto the field. Mm. And as far as the level of play of MLS, um, it's easy to say, oh, yeah, it's a garbage league. But I mean, if you people that don't watch it constantly don't know they, they, they don't have a great perspective to speak on it. Um, I mean, I'd be lying if I said it was, it's a top league in the world, but at least, at least it's wildly entertaining. Um, I would say entertainment level on that of Serie A this season, which is just goals um, and just entertaining electric players that can make a difference. I mean, 
you take Henrik Mkhitaryan, um, came from Arsenal doing nothing after he was at Manchester United doing nothing, and he comes to Roma, and he's just back to being this electric goal scorer. Is it because um, Serie A is so much worse than the Prem? Probably, probably, no, maybe. It's it's hard to say. But what's yeah, important right. is yeah, each league has its own characteristics. Yeah, and everyone wants to point farmers at point fingers say you're a farmers league, you're a farmers league. Oh, that person's from a farmers league. Well, you won this because you're in a farmers league. Right. Um, but that really isn't as much of the case, uh, especially when it's like the top leagues um, for each country. And yeah. for MLS, I mean especially with more homegrowns and um, the homegrowns pushing players uh, above them. So like if you have a homegrown center back and, you know, a DP, which is a designated player, like a big money uh, center back ahead of him and the homegrowns working hard, there's a much higher of an incentive for the MLS club to start playing um, the homegrown over the uh, designated player. If the designated designated player starts uh, declining in form. So because of that, it's pushed every player to be better um, in their position. Then I think that's raised the quality of the league in general. That Whatever you just said about the designated player went completely over my head. That and the fact that the league has to be involved with transfer negoci- negotiations. Yeah, the MLS has some uh, rather interesting um, practices. There is uh, some different, there's, there's like a salary cap. But then there are different ways to get around it, like the designator player being one of them. It's known as the um, David Beckham rule because that's how they pay David Beckham's wages without being um, hit by the uh, salary cap. But then there's like um, general allocated money and targeted allocated money. And then there's an allocation order for players coming into the league who may have already been here. And it's wildly complicated and I don't follow enough of it for it to make sense and also the the clubs are not technically privately owned they're still kind of owned by the league it's very complicated um so it has its own uh uniqueness for sure but it also helps it also helps where the clubs don't just like go bankrupt like there's no parma situation where you know their owners in hot water and now they're in Serie d so there's nothing like that which is beneficial for the league as a whole which is why such uh, safeguards have been uh, implemented. So this operation, it gets your your seal of approval because you know if it goes, you know everybody's going to blame you if this goes bad. They're going to cite this, right? I I have a little stipulation. Um, Comparatively, uh, the deal is pretty inexpensive. It's not like they're risking like 40 million on him. uh, Right. Kof Kof Stieg. Um, It's, (laughs) I mean, he's half the price of uh, Montiel, which was another player that Rome was linked with. I don't know exactly yeah. how heavily. Um, that's one people were like, oh, why don't we get him? But I mean, he's half the price and has a lot, liar, lot higher of likelihood of staying here, of being part of the club and being like fully integrated versus um, things I've seen about Montiel was he's hungry to just like go all over Europe, you know, see, um, conquer different cities in a way um, versus Reynolds is someone who can stay here, who can be part of the future. Um, it's, it's a pretty solid investment number wise, um, numbers wise, um, as far as for the price, um, and for the potential upside of talent, because he still has many years to develop and, um, assuming not much changes in Rome, obviously the, some of the media in the city have been, uh, trying to constantly point fingers at Paolo Fonseca and say he needs to go, which I find absurd. Um, assuming he has a, some level of consistency under managers, um, and under the uh, ownership, 
then I, I genuinely think that he has a potential to blossom in Rome. And obviously I you know, could be biased saying that as an FC Dallas fan and someone who watched him for the past uh, six months. But from what I've seen, he has the talent and the attributes to be able to propel him to that next level that Roma need. Mm, for sure. All right. That is where we are going to leave it with Alex. Thank you so much for coming on and joining us here and sharing your abundance of knowledge as to what we could potentially expect from Brian Reynolds. So Alex, greatly, greatly appreciate it. We will do this again later on down the road after he has had a couple of opportunities to feature for the club. So thank you again for your time, Alex. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, definitely for those curious about uh, FC Dallas Academy products, which you know are the best in the world, not to flex. Um, Definitely check out thirddegree.net, the number one source for FC Dallas. Thank you so much. Of course. Talk soon. All right. Now, let's get Andy on as he and I discuss the transfer market and the victory from yesterday evening over Verona. Okay, Andy, transfer deadline day today. We don't think Roma will be involved. So let's start, though, with what happened yesterday. Roma, they beat Verona. Very, very, very impressive performance. It has to be said. So they defeat the uh, Sadi Vjuric 3-1. to one, Three goals all within the span of nine and a half-ish minutes. You had to have been impressed by yesterday, right? Especially given all of the absolute crap that is going on over these past two weeks right uh, yes and also considering you know uh, this is a game that okay it cannot be overblown um this is this was a very 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 good performance that doesn't mean that this is the defining performance of the season you can still play better you can still improve some things and um you have to come up equally big against uh, better teams um, than you did yesterday, but but the, the the important thing about this game is that you played against an opponent that knows how to play. Uh, you played against an opponent that plays organized football, that is very very good defensively, um, that has some threats going forward in the form of Zakani, for example. Um, so. Yesterday, to be able to nullify uh, the biggest uh, threats in the attack for Verona, to be able to exploit the, de the defense by opening it up, um, having plenty of space going forward, that was very good. That was very encouraging. This is a, a, a Juric-led team that is defying all expectations, that has given trouble to uh, Pirlo, has given trouble to Conte, has given trouble to Gattuso by completely destroying Napoli and dominating them from from the second that Napoli scored. Um, and you managed to to go into this game and at the halftime whistle, you were 3-0 three, uh, three up. So um, it was very encouraging. Obviously, there was that moment, that, that mental switch-off that took place for about 15 minutes um, where the team looked a bit insecure, but this is as good as of a performance as you can expect from Roma against a team like Verona. Okay, so that seemed to be there seemed to be two two sides of this after the match. There was the hey, that was good. They recovered after a very turbulent, a very difficult, chaotic two weeks in which you had your captain fighting with the manager he's now banned in the stands yucking it up with brian reynolds 
and you also have him being linked with a move to Inter, and that's on top of the Coppa Italia stuff. So, how are you taking this? And then you you had the other side saying, "Well, guys, it, you know, it's just Verona. Okay, this is the side that Roma should be defeating. If we're just taking all things considered, this is a side that Roma should de- defeat nine times out of ten. So, in fairness, in fairness, I can understand both sides only because Roma have struggled so mightily against the big six. But how are you taking it? Because I, I, I think this one is a bit different than the rest. Like if they had, you know, if they had just beaten Genoa or something two to zero, I, I don't know if I would be as excited. But you just said it. This is a Verona team that has given fits to every single big club this season. Yeah, this is and and they they've played very very well this season. And also, it's um, I mean. If you can't enjoy these games, if you can't enjoy these wins, uh, then when are you going to enjoy a, a, a Roma game? Because, yes, we know the pattern of coming up short against bigger sides, but these are also the games that need to be enjoyed. Um, because what we saw against Spezia, that miracle win at the last minute, that's that was something that... Um, you know, almost never happens, right? Uh, right had that right. game, had that game, ended, usually it's it, the opposite. Yeah, exactly, the opposite way. <laughs> and it was, it was a perfect setup because had that game ended in a in a comeback draw for Spezia, um, then I I would think that this Verona game would have probably been the last one for Fonseca, um, and instead this team played inspired football and again in that second half you know uh, a lot of people will point to you know us conceding but you 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 watch some of the football that was played in the second half how they managed to get out of tight areas how they managed to open up the space for people like Mikatarian for Vertu um right putting him right in front of goal um it, it was it was a team effort and it's something that we can never take for granted so Whenever it's it's a matter of oh, but this is just Verona. No, it's not Verona. This is this is this was a good team. This is a team that again has given trouble to a lot of very good teams, and um, this I don't think that people re- fully realize how important this game was. You know, when I say to you when I come on here and I say always that the next game is the most important one, and for example, to me the Verona game was the game of the season. It's because I. This season, I have this mentality, and and I think a lot of people with this team, with how this team is framed by the media, with how you know there's constant speculation. This this year, you just keep chipping away at these type of wins. You know, it's like when you're in the playoffs and you're down three nil or three to one, and one game, and you go home, win or go home, right? And you start chipping away at each win to get back into it. And this is it. So um, this, this just as the Spezia game was the most important game of the season, the Verona game was the most important game of the season. Yeah, for sure. There were a lot of encouraging things from yesterday. Obviously, the, the three goals all between the 20th and the 30th minute, phenomenal. I think there's a couple of things we can take away from this. First of which... I guess this sort of because we were just going to break this down the match and then the transfer market. This essentially ties into the transfer market. Borja, my hold out, man. Uh, very good. And 
do I think that he has enough talent to directly fill the shoes of Jekko? No, I, I, I think that there is in terms of individual quality to drop off. But uh, nine goals, six assists. He has already surpassed our dear, beloved Patrick Sheik in terms of uh, goals scored in a La Roma shirt. And he's done it in like 30% of the matches that Sheik played in. So he's having an incredible season. He definitely offers a different dynamic. Of course, he misses a lot of chances. There's no denying that. We can just go to the Copa Italia match for all the proof that we need. But, man, it's it's tough to... Uh, if you're Dzeko, I don't know how you, how you must be feeling because you're banished to the stands for the second match in a row. And my Hodal, Andy, I thought was really, really good. He offers, you know, he offers different things. You know, it's, um, I agree that he's, I don't think he's ever going to be the player, you know, the guy. Um, he's never going to be on, on that level as, 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 as Jekko, as a striker. But he, he offers different things in terms of how the team moves around the pitch. Um, not an aerial threat. You know, doesn't have the same kind of physicality as 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 Jeko, um, but he can hold up the ball, and he make he makes runs that help the team push forward. And if you look at the all three goals, there is some involvement of, of Myral in all of them, and um, the way he he launches himself forward to for that Mkhitaryan goal, and then realize that. He's got he's got a teammate back there who's who, who has a better chance of scoring than him. That's I think there is a willingness um, that rightfully so uh, has helped him uh, rise in the ranks because the Jeko that we saw in recent weeks in the you know last month and month month and a half um, that was that that Jeko was a very discouraging. Very disappointing, uh, very deflating presence in the pitch. Um, he didn't contribute. He didn't help the team out in in tough situations. And with Borja Mayoral, although he can miss chances, which is something that hey, Jeko does <clears throat> on a regular basis, yes. Yes. and he's still very good, and we we love him, but it's undeniable. Um, still, Borja Mayoral has found a way to make himself useful. That's something that. We, you know, I mean, Nikola Kalinic, w- w- did he ever manage to rise in the ranks by being useful? Although, for example, not scoring or no. Same goes for Schick. Same goes for Defrel. Defrel was brought in. Poor guy was played as a winger. And then he was, you know, um, yeah, he was he was useless, basically. Right. Um, so that's finally... Although perhaps doesn't excel in quality, you know he's still 23 and he he does very very nice things out there. He's fast, he's agile, um, and he he knows how to find the open space. So that then players like Mikitarian, like Vertu, who like to go forward, can be can be a, 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 an additional threat for Roma. That's good. Not relying on one guy. That's that's I, I think that's been the theme of the season for Roma. And I think Roma are leading in that aspect in Europe. Um 
by the number of scores of different yes. scores in the team. That gives you an idea that you know maybe Jeko hasn't had a good of, that good of a season. I, I believe he's on six goals or something in Serie A. Um, but but still, this team moves. This team scores. That's that's very encouraging. Yeah, for sure. Now, I guess building off of that, what did you think about this stuff that emerged with Jeko um, just a few days ago? Uh, I guess twenty four hours, forty eight hours before the match, uh, getting linked with a swap deal for Inter's Alexi Sanchez. For me, if you just want to talk about a redundant transfer, I don't think I would find anything so useless in terms of a football move for the club. To be honest with you, I was actually surprised Roma would even have considered that. At least with Dzeko, you have a pure striker, a pure number nine. Sanchez has been a finished player from the moment he left Arsenal. So... I don't know about you, but when those uh, rumors came about, I was very confused and dumbfounded as to how Roma would find any benefit in that deal. Now, of course, it didn't happen. Roma would have had to have contributed an additional three to four million euros. So what did you make of what happened, essentially? And what do you what do you do now? Because he's not going anywhere. How do you rectify this situation? Do you essentially just hope that uh, things can get smoothed over between he and Fonseca. How do you move forward? Because you have Maihan out playing this well, okay? Uh, you just mentioned it. You had a Jekyll playing very poorly, getting in clashes with the manager. So what is the right answer? Because I see some people saying, well, you have to, you, you can't let him back into the team. You have to, he has to be in the stands for the remainder of the season. Is that where you are? Is that what you agree with? Listen, I, um, a week ago I was I was sitting here and I said the best thing for Roma was uh, to set the differences aside, and uh, and try to you know to to compete as a group. Um, when you say that you were confused at the at the Sanchez transfer rumors, um, I wasn't confused. To oh, me, man. to me, listen, to me that was, to me that was the clearest sign that things have reached a point that we can't even imagine what the relationship was um that things had that showed the extent to which things had deteriorated between the player and the manager and that was a way for Roma to get rid of Jekyll uh, to me that was you know it's 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 very evident that um the desperation was pretty high with that um personally it, to me, that was the idea of listen. We we you know we 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 get rid of Jekyll. At least we get a player in return. Obviously, that player may not fit you know the description of someone like Jekyll because there are very few players that fit the description of Jekyll. That's why for the last four years we've been asking ourselves, okay, how how do we replace um, Jekyll? Some people argue that it's easy. Some people argue that it's very difficult. In my opinion. Finding somebody that uh, offers you the things that that Jacob offers uh, or does um, is 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 pretty pretty uh, difficult in today's uh, footballing landscape. Um, to me, this just shows that uh, something happened, something broke off, and uh, and the management and the coach came to the conclusion that if there is a chance 
you got to get rid of this presence. And, you know, if sometimes these things happen, sometimes these things happen. Uh, with Atalanta, something very similar happened with uh, Alejandro Gomez. Papu Gomez was uh, Atalanta's leader. He was their captain. He was the guy on the pitch that uh, really helped everybody else get going. Um clashed with Guiz Gasperini, ended up on the on the selling block and, and got sold to Sevilla. Uh, yes, two different players and, and the situations might not be, I don't know what the extent of, uh, of, of these uh, dysfunctional relationship was, but to me, this is very alarming. You know, um, to see somebody like Jekyll in the stands uh, means that he really messed up uh, seeing players like Fazio, like Juan Jesus, who we know that aren't are useless, they don't contribute to Roma, haven't contributed more than a year. Um, but still, not seeing them in even in the in the call up sheets means that there are members in, of, of this team that um, just don't do enough to be part to be considered part of this team and i know that as much as one can love jeko sometime you have to pick the team over the player that's fair i don't think anybody would argue with that i think more so i was dumbfounded as to the the profile that you would pick to switch jeko with now obviously a lot of that is based upon the number of euros that he earns which is astounding which is why I, I kind of thought from the beginning that a move away for him was going to be incredibly difficult. Even, and that's notwithstanding the fact that he sacked his longtime agent who's been with him uh, over a decade and he appointed Alessandro Lucci to be his new agent. Uh, I mean, the, the moment he does that, he's clearly signaling that he's ready to go. But I, I guess, again, uh, Sanchez, for me, does not fit any sort of profile that would benefit Roma. He's not a number nine. I, I don't really know what he could have potentially brought. Right, but Roma. but isn't that but isn't that the idea of a, of a swap loan? That's I mean that was the sort of the the best the next best thing you could do to get rid of Jeko and get somebody in return, which was really the only option out there. As we can see, nobody is yeah, willing to go for Jeko. But to pay three million to pay Inter. Three million to bring Alexis Sanchez for me to me at least. Well, yeah, that, that's been, why it didn't happen. That's well, right. It, it's fine. It would have been financial malpractice. Yeah, I, I mean that should have been punishable by by crime. No, if, we we agree to that. We agree to that. That's why the deal didn't happen. I'm just saying that to me the what I the clearest interpretation of that is that we got to a point where Jeko is considered so toxic that oh exactly exactly the to next me, it, yeah. The next best I mean, thing you can do is is at least get somebody in return because you can't really offload him anywhere. For me, I yeah, for me, in my opinion, I think this was more about sending a message more than anything. Like, we are willing to go to this extent to potentially oh, yes. get rid of you. Yeah. And I think maybe that got through to him. Obviously, we're not at Trigoria. We don't know. We're not, and we are uh, not standing outside Jeko's house like... Uh, Mangiante, who was basically oh, saying how Jeko is completely devastated. Oh, man. <laughs> I didn't want to bring that up, but okay. Um, I, well, yeah, I'll leave that one alone. But <laughs> from there, though, 
so he's staying. You play him or you don't play him. You have two choices now. You can, and and by the way, before we debate this, when you look at the amount of money that Roma are paying guys to not play, when you factor mm-hmm. in Juan Jesus, Fazio, we can essentially add Pastore to that because uh, I mean, it's no you know he he was essentially in witness protection. He 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 only yeah. exists uh, for us to make fun of because at this point it's just a joke. And then adding potentially Jekyll to that. So Pastore, three and a half million net. Juan Jesus, two and a half million net. Fazio, two million net. And then if you were to add Jekyll to that, I, I think I may end up on the floor in the fetal position weeping uh, until he leaves because it just goes to show you some of the mismanagement that Roma had in recent years. And by the way, I know everybody loves Petraki. That contract now looks so bad. It, it, it looks so, so bad. And that's, again, adding to the great contracts of uh, Monchi and Sabatini, who were nice enough to... Uh, Five years for Juan yeah. Jesus, man. Five years. How? Five How? years. Five years. Uh, so what do you do? Uh, he earns seven and a half million euros net. Do you sit him or do you allow that money to go to waste? What do you say? Because, by the way, <laughs> people were saying, oh, well, you can get rid of him this summer. Um if you can tell me who, uh, because his contract runs until 2022, if you can find me somebody who can take him on, please let me know because, right. Andy, th- 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 this goes beyond the summer with him if you sit him for the remainder of the season. So it's either this is a problem for the next 18 months or you resolve it now. No, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's um, – to me, to me, the again, the – what I see on the pitch and how the team functions is more important than what happens behind the curtains, at least from a fan perspective. Um, obviously, I, I think at some point, Wojcik will have to re- be reintegrated into the team. That doesn't mean that he'll he can you know he'll get massive playing time from from the get go. Hey, maybe let's see Jeko as a super sub. But to me, it's pretty evident that you know to. To go to that extent of willing to to do a, a, a swap deal of loans with Jeko being treated like uh, some kind of punk um, sends you a pretty a pretty rough message of you know what the reality of the situation is. Um, we are looking at uh, a guy who was wearing the uh, captain's armband up until a month ago, and uh, and now um, he's sitting in the stands. And this team is actually playing. You know, it's it, we're obviously competition with you know the 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 opposition. It is was it is what it is. You know, Spezia Verona. Now let's see against Juve. But again, this team so far this year, the theme has been you know uh, I'm I'm a Warriors fan. So my the the slogan that for years was the Warriors slogan was strength in numbers. Uh, this year, this it has been particular, uh, particularly true for for Roma because this team has found ways to to play without uh, Zaniolo, um, without Jeco. It, it it is a team that is is rotating, is is trying out different things now with with the likes of El Shura, with with the likes of Reynolds. Let's see what happens, how that goes. But the message is also clear: we can play without Jeco. 
Um, now Jeko is in the difficult position, I think, also. He finds himself in a very tight situation that I don't think he was ready to, to face. Um, because what does, he, what does he have? Yes, he makes a, a huge bunch of money. It doesn't seem to be that important anymore. For sure. It, it is a very precarious situation, and I don't envy Roma, Fonseca for this uh, this very tight and difficult um, role and position that they've been put in. And in fairness, it is Jekyll's fault that we've gotten to this point. It's just a shame that, especially given how, I mean, when you look at the club's history, Andy, you know, it's not as if they're having a falling out with, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Th throw somebody out there who sucks. There's there's so many over the last years. I can't think of one. <laughs> the list is too big. Uh, but I I mean this this yeah, is yeah. a guy that has you know he's been a prominent. He's figure. not Leandro Paredes. Okay. Yeah, there we yeah there we go. My favorite. Uh, you know this is a guy who uh, in the club's history he's he's written some of the history with the number of goals that he scored. So I, I just can't imagine that they would allow it to end so bitterly between the two sides. Now, maybe, who knows? Maybe I could be wrong. But I hope, again, that cooler heads prevail in all of this because the benefit for everybody is to put the egos aside, apologize, apologize, and move forward. So we'll see what right. happens. Um, you brought up Reynolds and El Shadawi. They're the only two arrivals for January. We both said that we're okay with this. Um, what are you expecting? How can they fit in? Uh, for me, El Shadawi is a guy who can and should be contributing immediately. Reynolds, again, not having watched a second of him, I have no clue what he can or can't bring. Uh, but it's difficult for me to believe that he would immediately jump ahead of the likes of Bruno mm. Perez. Right, he's going to take time to under uh, learn and understand the system. Uh, what do you think? What are you expecting from both of these guys? Very quickly before we go, because right. I, I I feel like yes, overall it was a good window, all things considered. Pandemic, financial situation, it, it is a big unknown for me though. What we're actually getting from these two, because I I don't know the role that Fonseca envisions for El Shadawi. Although I do have to say he was very, he was very lively when he was discussing him. He was, I mean, he was, uh, he looked excited. Yeah. Yeah. Because he knows he's getting a player that he doesn't need to work on him that much. Uh, this is, you know, it's a player who's familiar, uh, with the environment with, um, with Roma. He's familiar with, with what is expected of him. Um, and I think that this is a player that comes in not not necessarily too young, already has some points of reference as to what exactly Fonseca might want from him in terms of uh, the playing style of Mkhitaryan and uh, Pedro. Um, knows that, you know, the competition of you know as a, as a substitute is really in the form of Carles Perez, so that's manageable. Um, and then you have uh, Reynolds who comes in. Obviously, we we have really no expectations um, just because we heard he was very close to Juve, and uh, some some fans might want to hold that against him, or some fans might expect 
more oh, no. from him. I, I know where you're going. Yeah. No, no, no. But I'm not going anywhere. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, 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 no. I get what you're saying. But 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 but, but some of the people saying like, oh, he was. <laughs> no. He was yeah. Roma's or uh, Roma was his third choice. Come on. Uh, so it's yeah, his not... fault that other other clubs came in for him. I mean, what yeah, does that not... even mean? I mean, it's it's okay. You don't have to expect a kid from Dallas to 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 have a, a you know a, a Rudy Voller poster in his room. I was That's about okay. to say. You mean he doesn't have <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, the uh, Montella signed shirt uh, <laughs> yeah. in Dallas hanging up on his wall. How old is he? 19? So he, holy shit, man. I, that just made me feel old uh, looking yeah. at his date of birth. Oh my God, I shouldn't have done that. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, come on. I mean, this so is he a wasn't there. He wasn't there exactly, when that happened. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, but I'm just, I'm so, just so saying really, that. You're, you're, you're just, I, I mean, you're, you're, you're not expecting anything from him, no, right? No. The, the, to me, it's, we have to though mention that it's very telling that um, Roma will, you know, we are recording this as the transfer market winds down, but uh, Roma uh, are considering all options for the likes of Juan Jesus, Fazio, and Santon, who is, you know, the replacement of the replacement. He's, you know, he's fallen the so far below. The assistant to the... Uh... Yeah. What is it in the office? The assistant to the regional manager. So he's yes. like the assistant <laughs> to the replacement. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Exactly. So listen, I think Reynolds has a chance of you know uh, eventually getting some 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 minor playing time against the likes of Benevento or Crotone. Um, but you know, all things considered, as we said before, this was this was a very difficult transfer market for a lot of teams. The only teams that did anything sort of remotely remarkable so far were the minor teams that tried to, you know, are battling for relegation, and among the bigger teams, Milan and Atalanta. You know, that's uh, that that's that's about it. Um, so, Juve have managed to offload some some dead weight, but um, aside from that, really no no moves. Enter nothing. Beppe right, Marotta's right. job seems to be only just going in front of the camera and saying we have no money, which is okay. I mean, this was this is this is the world that you know the sport is facing right now. So Roma, for what it's worth, tried their best. I thought this was a, an exciting mix of experience, somebody who's familiar with with the club, and just pure raw talent. That um, with no expectations, just waiting to be put on display. Mm, for sure. So no problems with you then. Everything they've done this January, <laughs> they did what they could, and I think you're okay I think with it. it. Well, listen, I think that what I'm seeing right now is um, I'm seeing uh, more regular minutes as a substitute for Diawara. You know, he he comes in. It doesn't look so shaky anymore in those final minutes. I think um, it, it'd be interesting to see Fonseca alter the substitution, meaning uh, Diawara going in for uh, VR and Kistante going in for Vertu. I think that would add more balance to the team overall and, and um, would help the team find the much-needed balance in those spells of when the team just loses it mentally for 10, 15 minutes, whatever that is. Um I think that that can also be if he can work on those substitutions, not in terms of timing them, but in terms of their contribution, putting somebody like Diawara, who's talented. You know, we've said it all along. He's talented, but he's gone through a rough spell. He's been on the verge of leaving Roma. Uh, 
this is his small chance to to contribute to the team so far. I think everybody um, should should appreciate that, and um, and that's about it. That's I think that's in in this day and age of of COVID and uh, and everything going around in in the world of football and in the world of general, a transfer market like this really. I mean, if you think about the likes of uh, Grenier or Jonathan Silva coming in and playing uh, one game against Empoli, um, that's. Uh, <laughs> Really, I mean, the, the, I mean, this is, you know, this is ex- extremely positive. Yeah, for sure. I, I completely agree. Uh, there's only so much you can do given everything that is going on. So all things considered, I'm okay with it. You get a young prospect who, at worst, he can fill in uh, when Bruno Perez finally bids farewell. And then El Shadawi, that speaks for itself. He got him for free. Now the wages are pretty high, whatever. I, I'm okay with that. At least the guy's available on the pitch. So I, I have no problems whatsoever. And you're getting him before the Euro. This is something he has talked about at length for the past year uh, when he uh, expressed that he wanted to come back to the city. So no problems at all from my point of view. I'm okay with everything they did this January. Everybody let us know how you think Roma did in January. Very curious to hear your opinion on that. All right. So that's where we will leave it. Roma. Obviously, they have a big match of the weekend against Juve. We will be back before that to preview it, discuss it. Um, and uh, we'll see what happens in the window in the remaining, I don't know, how, how long is left as we're recording this? What time is it? A few hours. A yeah, few there's hours. a Here's few more hours. So hopefully um, nothing happens that makes everything we have just said for the previous 15 minutes null and void. We will see. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate it. We will talk to you in a few days. Until then, ciao. Ciao.